2: What's up, YouTube? Welcome to the Fightful Boxing Podcast. Today is April 27th. Yeah, April 27th. Uh, we're here with, um, as always, I'm Carlos with my main man, Stephen And Stephen, where were you last week, man? I missed you. I missed you, my little guy, man. There's not
3: a lot of things in this world that take me away from being with you, Carlos, and doing the podcast and getting in this crazy business we call combat sports, but when it comes to my little dude being sick, that always tops the cake. So that's gonna. That call, he comes before anybody else. But I'm back. He's better. He finally got done being sick yesterday, which is one of those nasty, funky colds, man, that he just couldn't shake. So finally, he's done with that. He's sleeping through the night. He's in bed right now. So let's rock and roll, baby.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, the main point is going to be um... – Glitchko versus Joshua and we're going to spend a good portion of that. We'll also have a post Glitchko versus Joshua podcast. Like our first um, immediate post-fight uh, boxing podcast. It's going On Saturday I'm going to presume five, between 5.30 and 6 o'clock Eastern because I believe the Showtime broadcast is just showing that fight. We'll get into that. Working. And we'll get into that in a second. Um, I am... Excited for this fight! I'm excited to finally get done with with school. Because congratulations!
3: We gotta thought so we uh, should have, we should have hit like music or something like. Or <voisper singing about ourselves> <silly my culture> oh, I could have sing a song. I'm a bad singer, but hey, we could have went there. But no, c- congratulations! Your life is about to begin, as, as they say when you graduate college. You know, so are you excited? Like. How does it feel in all your steps away now from
2: being a college graduate? Honestly, this, the, this past month or so, it's kind of been rough. Not because I've been able to fulfill all my assignments and everything. It's just been, it's just everything, the weight of just finally getting things done. It's almost like the analogy of, like, the last .2 miles of a marathon are always the hardest. And honestly, th- this past month is that .2 miles. You're almost
3: there. The journey is almost there. Congrats. Very proud of you. It is a big accomplishment. I have a bachelor's degree as well, so it's very it's very fulfilling. And now go kick ass, man. That's what they say, and and good luck. So it's a big accomplishment, but make sure you enjoy it. I think that's the most important thing. advice I can give you. Just enjoy the day. Enjoy the moments. Those are things I know you can never take back, so definitely enjoy it, though.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely going to enjoy Enjoy these next couple of weeks as I get done with graduation and, uh, you know, get my uh, future set and straight. I know it's going to be with Fightful at the very least. So I'm definitely excited to dedicate my full attention uh, to Fightful because, oh my goodness, we are. I'm graduating at just the perfect time because, <laughs> my goodness, the fights that we have in the next couple of months are just. You since... know,
3: we were talking about this two weeks ago, and you're talking, and we're gonna we'll talk about Birdo and Porter. We got birdo Porter from last week get, with Charlo and Hatley on the, you know, in Stockholm. The and then we got the fight coming up on Saturday next week. We got Canelo and Chavez, and then you have what if Gary Russell returns on May 20th, and then you have Cal Brook and Errol Spence the following week. The day before, you got Mick Conlon, the top rank just announced this week. He's fighting in Chicago. And you have Mike Alvarado on the card as well, a former welterweight champion. So that's always exciting. And then you have June 17th, you have Andre Ward and Koval- Sergey Kovalev too. And then July 1st, you have Manny Pacquiao and Jeff Horn. So you look at from now until – from last week until July 1st, you can't even say back in March. You know, when we started this off with uh, Garcia and Thurman, it's been it's been a hectic six weeks already. We got about another, I would say, oh, about eight more weeks of really great fights coming up here. So this first half of 2017 so far is amazing, and we still got a long way to
2: go. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Berto Porter. Uh, I was there at the Brooklyn, uh, working as media for Fightful, and my goodness, this was. And I know you told me before the shows you you saw the the two campaign events, but my goodness, the the fight, the entire card itself was one of the most exciting, one of the best uh, cards I've seen live from top to bottom. It, I mean, you, the last five fights, at least four of the last five or six fights, all in the via knockout or, or some form of stoppage, uh, Amanda Serrano, she made history, first Puerto Rican male or female to win a world championship at five different weight classes. Congratulations to her, by the way. I mean, she had a masterful performance against Diana Santana, and I, I think everybody expected her to win. But still, she had an incredible performance—a much better fight than the than the one she had back in January against Yasmin Rivas.
3: You know, you look at, and I did watch that fight. I watched that fight on Tuesday. I was able to find. I got it sent to me, and just look, like watch. You know. I mean, you can say what you want about women's boxing. And I know everyone has their own differing opinions, but at the end of the day, I'm really, you're starting to see an uptick. You know, they're starting to get more attention, you know, with, especially with, you know, with Clarissa Shields right now. And then it helps, you know, a woman winning five world titles in five different weight classes. That's amazing. I just, I don't care if it's a man or a woman. I just think that in itself is an accomplishment and you have to give her credit, you know, And, and I always say about undercards, Especially in boxing, they're more more often than not they're not they're usually they're more exciting than the main card. And so it's like if you guys are going to a boxing show, like if anyone's going to Klitschko Joshua, if anyone's going to be going to Chavez and Canelo, or Ward Kovalev, or Spence and Brook, or Pacquiao and Horn coming up here, or Ward or Kovalev, go get there early, see these undercard fights because you're looking at it as. It's like going to an amateur MMA bout. I don't know if you've ever been to one, Carlos, but it's, these guys are throwing – you know, guys and girls are putting it all on the line. They have nothing to lose. They want to get noticed. That's why these guys and girls fight like they do. That's why I love the undercards in boxing. As you see these guys and girls really wanting to – they put it all out there because they want to get on the pay-per-view shows. They want to be the headliner on like FS1 or ESPN or HBO or Showtime. This is what they're – you know, Fox, CBS – this is what they want, and that's why they put it all out there. And maybe someday they'll end up in main events or, you know, co-main events or on the main card, of a premium card, or on a PBC card on one of the major networks. So I love it. I think it's exciting. Boxing's in a good place, though. And I know you were saying you were disappointed in the attendance. It was a little. It was like thousand one hundred and thirteen one hundred eighteen, I
2: believe. Uh, yeah, one around that nine thousand one hundred and something in the teens. Yeah, and it and I thought that was very interesting because you got the you have this card, which if you compare this to the card not from the Thurman Garcia card, but the from one from from January James DeGale versus Badel Jack, you look at both cards. Almost half of the fighters from that card. We're on this card too, and the one in January that drew about ten thousand. So, and, like, with two guys who aren't even from, who aren't even New Yorkers, and or is necessarily superstars in terms of boxing. So, like, I was so, not disappointed, but a little shocked that he didn't even get to five digits. Which, I, again, this was a hell of a card. I mean, you look, The Char Jermelo Charlo had one of the best knockouts of the year so far. Oh, my God, it was simply amazing. And and then you got Bertha versus Porter, which was, I described it in the live uh, coverage on Fightful. It was the WWE equivalent, uh, it was the boxing equivalent of a street fight.
3: It was. And you go back to Charlo, and he had a point to prove, just considering the bad blow with him and Hatley. And... Charlo had a point to prove, and the fact that he wanted to shut this guy up, he wanted to shut Hatley up for everything he was saying, and then the whole thing with the weigh the weigh in issue, you know, the weight issue on Saturday, Friday and Saturday, and he really wanted to shut him up. And I thought Charlo put on an amazing performance. I thought he looked amazing. That's the best. Even considering the layoff. Which I thought was too long and I thought it was egregious. And I remember talking to him, and it, it just, he wasn't thrilled with the fact that he had to sit out for that long. And then you look at, when you talked about the main event, it was a street fight. Plain and simple. That was just an all out street fight. That there was bad intentions were going to happen in that fight. And that's how Sean Porter fights. He likes being right up in your grill, the same thing like Birdo. This fight was tailor-made for both guys, and you saw what happened. I thought – you can see what you want about Birdo, and uh he, even though he lost, I thought Birdo put up a good effort. Sean Porter is a great fighter. Don't get me wrong. No he, he almost – he wins one round, one different round in his fight with Keith Thurman. We're not even talking about Porter and Birdo, Maybe, and we're talking maybe when Porter beat – when if he faced Danny Garcia. We're not – we wouldn't be talking about Keith Thurman and him still being undefeated, so – Sean Porter's a good fighter. People say he's a little dirty with the headbutts. He's an aggressive fighter. You have to be willing to go toe-to-toe with this guy, or you just have to be a slick boxer like a Keith Thurman, and you get that result. But Sean Porter's a great fighter. I thought it was amazing. But the thing that a lot of people aren't talking about, I think, also is the fact that when Thurman got into the ring beforehand, when they were on the Showtime broadcast, I don't know if you saw this, he wasn't really too keen on facing Sean Porter if he won. He was more interested in Manny Pacquiao. He talked about the winner of the Errol Spence-Kell Brook fight. He gets into the ring, and then he's like, oh, you're my mandatory, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, Sean Porter, you're not getting that fight, buddy. That's a step back for Keith Thurman at this point. What does Pete, Keith Thurman have to prove coming right back to take that fight? Unless it was a draw, then it makes sense. But that's a fight maybe you take next year. You let that marinate a little more. Make Porter get another winner, too. One win doesn't get get you a title opportunity like that, especially against someone like Keith Thurman. Thurman will have a big fight coming. I think Keith Thurman's going to fight the winner of Errol Spence and Kell Brook. I I have this inkling that that's going to happen. And then once that – I don't think he's going to fight Manny. I I know Manny's talked about fighting him, but we know – how Bob Arum is lately, so I mean, that I think that'd be a tug of war. I'd like to see it. I think that'd be a great fight, but if and to me that's 75-25 not happening. But I think the likelihood would be Thurman facing the winner of Caleb Brook and Ariel Spence, and I think that'd be a hell of a fight. Porter's gonna have to wait. He'll have to go fight somebody else, and and that's more than fine.
2: Yeah, I mean you you think about Porter and and listen, and I disagree with the whole – oh, my God, he was being dirty with the headbutt. Both guys, both guys were, hitting, were, getting, were headbutting each other. And and I said it from in, in the solo podcast last week is that, listen, Porter knows that Berto is not that great of a, a boxer when, he, when he's faced with a ton of pressure. Porter went inside the body as I thought he would. He was going to attack, uh, make an aggressive close fight from the very beginning. I thought he did. Um, and I even thought that if he did that, he was going to win via stoppage. I think I said between, between the eighth and 10th I somewhere along those lines, it's but bobber. you said it, it was a, fin- it was a fantastic fight. Um, it was, it was, it was bloody. It was, it was gritty. It was, you know, a great way to top off what I thought was an excellent, uh, Barclays center card, which I kind of was hoping that, uh. That, that would get a bigger attendance, and the num and the TV numbers you, you and I were talking about they they weren't terrible, all things considered.
3: No, four hundred sixty eight thousand. You got to consider, and everyone gets really gets on Showtime. But Showtime's subscriber base is right around the last time I had I had gotten a concrete number from Showtime, it was around seventeen million. Is that horrible? I HBOs HBO is in the thirties. Uh, it could be better, but you know, and then Showtime's building on it, though. And I give Showtime credit; it is building the subscriber base is getting. But you keep putting on big fights, the numbers are going to be there. I don't think this number is a big disappointment considering, yeah, the NBA playoffs, you had UFC. UFC averaged seven hundred and forty-five thousand viewers. The main event with Artem Lobov and Cub Swanson peaked at eight hundred and thirty-one thousand viewers. So you're taking your competition. And then you had the NBA playoffs. A lot of the ratings right now for, you know, like WWE and MMA are going to be down during this time just because, because of the NBA playoffs. And so they're done. TV ratings, I think, are going to be a little low, in, you know, in terms of those ratings and that ratings department. So I think that's a good number. And we'll get into Joshua Klitschko in a moment. And I think that's going to, do, it's going to do phenomenal in my own mind. But what do you do now with Birdo? Because a lot of people say that, you know, they were, Jim Gray was saying to Birdo at the end of the fight, oh, maybe it's time to retire. He's 33. He's been in a lot of wars. Did I think he looked horrible? No, but he still lost. He lost to a top contender. And it seemed like when Birdo was talking, Carlos, he seemed like he was, he was it was entering his mind at the very worst. What do you think happens with Birdo next? Does he stay around? Does he just take some time off, reevaluate, or, or do you think he does hang him up?
2: Uh, it's kind of weird. I, I think he, I think he'll take some time. I, I don't think that you know he's gonna. I don't think he he should be looking for a big fight or any major fight at this moment. Because I don't know if he'll even get one. So I say, me, you know, he's capable of. You know, he could regroup, uh, take the summer off you know, think about what's been going wrong because I'm looking at his record right now and he's lost five of his last nine fights and his four wins were against John Savick, uh, Steve Chambers, Josecito Lopez, and Victor Ortiz. That's not exactly, that's not a terrible record, but then you look at all the guys that he's faced and lost. uh, He lost to uh, Ortiz a few years back then to Robert Guerrero, then to Jesus Soto-Carras, then Mayweather, and now to Sean Porter. So you look at this, and Roberto, I think it's just a matter of he needs to find a way to be able to regroup, get, and be able to keep up with some of these faster fighters. Because Sean Porter just, you know, and if it hasn't been brought up with all his previous losses, Sean Porter kind of brought the perfect blueprint to beat Andre Berto is that you need to be aggressive. You need to hit him in the body because he's not great at defending that. And I think that's not – and that's not something that you can easily fix with one training camp for a fight in, I don't know, say August, September, October. I'd say he needs to find a way to regroup, get – you know, work work on the fundamentals of defensive boxing because as great as this fight was – You know, it wasn't exactly great for if you're looking for defensive boxing. It was, it wasn't, and now you're gonna look at somebody as other people in the welterweight division, which is still a pretty stacked division. Oh yeah. But but he'll still need to, I'd say, he'll just take the summer off, you know, get some rest, and then start fighting towards maybe late fall, uh, or winter, early 2018, the next fight. Because right at that point, you're going to have to start thinking about maybe one final title, uh, world title push. Because he is getting up there in years. And there's still a lot of quality fighters who are uh, at the elite level and significantly younger than Berto.
3: You look at, he's 31 and 5. And it's not necessarily a murderer's row of guys he's beaten. You know, going 4 and 5 in his last nine fights. Beyond Victor Ortiz. I think Josecito Lopez is a blown-up guy at 147. But that's for here and there, but he's in that – he's getting to the point where he's not – he's obviously, based on what you said and what we know, he's not an A-level fighter anymore. He's now in the second crop. Because that top crop, you got Thurman, you got Garcia, you got Kell Brook. you got Errol Spence, you got Manny Pacquiao. Those are your – Top five, you can make a case all your Top five middleweights, welterweights in the world, and then and you still got, you, you, you still got your deep talent. You know, you still got like Robert Guerrero. You then you got you know the Burdos, and you know there's still some top crop guys at 147. Don't get me wrong, but and you get if Miguel Cotto, I mean, he keeps re, there are reports out there he's going to come back down to fight at 47. And I'll believe that when I see it, but he's in that B level. Starting to get towards dream and status at this point, you know, and it's just you get to thirty three. You've been in these wars; the body starts to wear down. Everyone knocks Floyd Mayweather in his style, and I'm not the and I'm not going to be the first nor the last to defend his style because I don't. I'm not the biggest fan of his style either, but it's always that what he says: fight smart, fight smart. He fought smart and train train hard and fight smart. You don't have you don't have to take blows to the head. Why take blows to the head? You know. And Floyd got that, and guys like Burdo didn't get that. And now you're looking; his reflexes are getting slower. He's not as aggressive as he used to be. You know, that Andre Burdo five years ago pummels Sean Porter. In my honest opinion, I think he, I think he beats Sean Porter. Five years later, in 2017, it's not going to happen. So. It is what it is. I, you know, whatever Birdo does, like you said, I think he takes a lot of time off here. I think he really evaluates. He's going to come back. It's boxing. It's hard to pass up that money. He's still a big-name fighter. He can still command at least a million dollars a fight. People want, like to see him fight, so I think he stays on.
2: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, congrats to Porter. He had a hellacious fight, and, and he's technically now the mandatory challenger to Durbin's uh, welterweight title. When that fight's going to happen, Honestly, who knows? I mean, I think, as you mentioned, I think Thurman has much, much better fights potentially lined up for him. And Thurman's not really doing anything, and he needs to grab as much attention as possible because even then, when Thurman appeared on the ring after Porter beat Berto, I was thinking in the back of my mind, this has to be, you have to do something major. You have to, you know, attention-worthy what does he do? He goes in there and says, all right, congrats, Sean. Eh, We may fight. I don't know. Maybe. And I was like, really? You are constantly, and we were talking about this other fight, about other fighters who are constantly shooting themselves in the foot in terms of marketing. And really, and I forgot who, I I forgot who, who, which boxer we were talking about that honestly was uh, denying, uh, didn't want to talk to you in English because he couldn't. He didn't know English. I honestly completely forgot at the moment. Louis Ortiz. Uh, yeah, yeah. Luis Ortiz. King
3: Kong. King Kong Ortiz. And this and this is the issue. And you said. And this you said this hit this right in the head. And I said it on Twitter after the fight. This is my biggest problem with Keith Thurman. Keith Thurman gets in the, gets in his own way here because Keith Thurman should be the biggest superstar right now in boxing, far none. He's good looking and he can fight. And he's intelligent. He's, got, and he, he's, got the, he's, he's a good-looking guy. He can fight, and he's intelligent. But he's not intelligent when it comes to how handling his fight career. He just – this is a guy that should be recognized. Instead of everyone talking about Golovkin, everyone talking about Chocolatito, people should be talking about Keith Thurman as the, the top pound-for-pound pound boxer in the world today. He's just he – Keith Thurman reminds me of Andre Ward, and we've had this conversation about Andre Ward. They're not media savvy. They want to go blame the media for not being where they're at, but when you turn down, consistently turn down interviews, I don't feel bad for neither one of these guys. They're talented as hell. They're the best in their own weight class, and they're two of the best five. They're in the top five pound for pound in the world today. It's like Golovkin's so smart. Why do you think Golovkin's where he's at? He came from freaking Kazakhstan. No offense to anyone that's watching that lives in Kazakhstan or has any relatives that are. But this guy came from Kazakhstan, and his team came up with a plan to make him a megastar in the United States. Who do people talk about more in terms like Gennady Golovkin, Keith Thurman, and Andre Ward? they are talking about Gennady Golovkin. I'm sorry, that's Andre Ward's own fault. That is Keith Thurman's own fault. And they're with two good PR teams. I get along with them, great. But when these guys turn down interviews right after they fight, well, you know, I got a rest. I did a week of two weeks of media, and then I fought. You got to get on that grind for another week. Get your name out there. Get that momentum off your fight, and that's the biggest problem. Golovkin gets that; he really does. And I give Gennady Golovkin a lot of credit. I give Canelo Alvarez a lot of credit. And I got a, and I got a surprise for you guys next week, and not even you know about or The man Sean Ross Sam doesn't know about. But they don't get it. You got to and you know this. You got to be media savvy. Keith Thurman should be a freaking superstar. Keith Thurman, if Keith Thurman is walking down the street with Andre Ward and Gennady Golovkin, you know who's going to get recognized more? Gennady Golovkin. Golovkin. And that shouldn't happen for a guy that's only been fighting in the United States for about five years. That is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Keith Thurman and Andre Ward should be ashamed of themselves.
2: And not just that, is the fact that, Durbin, it's not like Durbin has always been like this. For the past few years, you've seen Keith Durbin appear on PBC po- uh, telecast. He has done it, but ever since the fight, I don't, I don't remember, I think maybe I only remember him seeing on doing uh, broadcasting duties on one PBC broadcast all year long, maybe not even one. And, you know, fine. If you don't feel comfortable doing the media, media stuff or doing interviews, which I don't know why as, as someone who wants to have the biggest fights, wants to make the most amount of money, I don't even get why you don't even do that. I, I'm sure Al Heyman would salivate at the opportunity of having Keith Thurman as a, as a broadcaster uh, when he's not fighting or has a fight coming up, which I guess oh, Thur- Thurman is an extremely smart guy. I like spending. T- I spent 20 minutes with Keith Thurman before his fight against Danny Garcia. His level, his boxing IQ, is unbelievable. Like is. I learned so much about boxing just spending 20 minutes with Thurman.
3: And this is sort of the whole thing. And at the end of the day, the fighter's in control. The media people aren't. The PR teams aren't. The advisors aren't. The advisors work for him, for the fighter. And is he intelligent? You're damn right. I've had great conversations with Keith Thurman. I think Keith Thurman is a, a very great guy. When you talk to him, he's very personable. I'm not taking that away. I'm not trying to sit here and get you know, throw Keith Thurman under the soapbox here. But Keith Thurman needs to be out there more than what he is. Why do you think Floyd Mayweather is the big star that he is? Why do you think Manny Pacquiao is the big star that he is? The same thing with Golovkin. These guys get it. It's not that difficult. You look at the UFC, Conor McGregor, Ryan Rousey. You can see a guy like Tyron Woodley, who I think can be a superstar. These guys are getting themselves out there. You look at WWE and John Cena. You look at the days of like Hulk Hogan, Dwayne Johnson. These guys got it. They were media savvy. They talked to the media. If you don't get your name out there. No one's going to get their name out there for you but yourself. Fight in ring talent is only going to get you so far in terms of media. You have to you have to have a personality. All you got, I'm not saying you got to go be bombastic like Floyd Mayweather or Conor McGregor. But be yourself. Tell your story. Your story can sell itself. You don't have to be bombastic and flash hundreds of thousands of dollars and be in that in front of luxury cars or you know, better women or anything else or, you know, cause other headlines like that. You can be yourself. The story can sell, but you have to be willing to put yourself out there, and I I think that's unfortunate. And What we get into in a moment when we're going to talk about, you know, Saturday's fight, these are two guys that get, those two guys get it. And we'll get into that in a moment, but it's just a shame because I think Keith Thurman can really be a superstar. But I think Uh, we've talked too much about Keith Thurman. (laughs) Yeah. Keith I, Thurman should not be getting credit this week. <laughs> but no, but no, he was part of the news. And it, it is important, but hopefully one day Keith Thurman will get it and he will become the star that he should be.
2: I agree. And I mean, yeah, we spent a lot of time on, on Keith Thurman on a podcast that's titled Vladimir Klitschko vs. Anthony Joshua Preview. We'll get it right now. We're 32 minutes in. We're yep. going to talk about it now. What of these Yeah. Wait. This is the one thing I have
3: learned about podcasting in 7 years. You want you got to make the people wait. Then they're going to watch. Then they're going to listen. And then they're going to come back and watch more of our videos via Fight via Fightful online. Go to fightful.com, watch our go to all our awesome articles, go to our YouTube page, watch the videos. But mainly go to the website and watch the YouTube videos cuz right now YouTube sucks. Killing. Rip it off these poor people. Rip it off guys like us. They want to say we're restricted and wrestling's bad and boxing's bad and MMA is bad. Well, YouTube is bad in my opinion. I'm a little fired yeah. up today. I'm sorry. I got yeah, this
2: whole uh, yeah, this whole this whole restricted thing is, uh, is a whole mess that, you know, maybe we'll get into another day, but not now, but as you mentioned, uh, support Fightful, uh, check out all the podcasts that we do. Frank Trigg, Sean Pearson, showdown, Joe, the man, Sean Ross Sapp, Jimmy van, um, uh, um, uh, man. Hain- Helms.
3: You know what, you, you met Matt Riddle. That had to be pretty cool. Oh, my God, yeah. I even bought Matt this really? little this little shirt. Ah, we're pimping you out, Riddle. Yeah. <laughs> Give us That's some that. of that. How much is, does Matt Riddle get all that money? That's pretty cool. How much was that yeah, shirt we bought? By? 20 bucks?
2: Uh, yeah, 20 bucks. Uh, I was at the Evolve show. Uh, where Matt Riddle, he beat Drew uh, Drew Galloway. I think it was called Drew Galloway in the show, not McIntyre. But he was – it was a fun show. One of the funnest uh, wrestling shows I've been to in my life, and that was my first Evolve show. Yeah, I I, uh, spoke with Matt before and after the show. One of the coolest guys I have ever met. Like legitimately one one of the most genuine, nice people. I brought my roommate along to that Evolve show. And he's not a guy that you can easily impress just by spending a total of five minutes. And he said yeah. after the show, I love him. I love Matt Riddle.
3: It's hard to not I've talked to Matt when he met was in the UFC and Matt's a great guy. And I'm glad he is on the team here. He's in my mind, the best independent wrestler in the world. And I think he, and I've said this to Matt. me, and Matt have had offside conversations and DMs on Twitter that I think he is the future of wrestling. I think he really is. And, but we also got the man with the best hair in mixed martial arts, the one and only Elias Theodorou, who fights at the Ultimate Fighter Finale 25 coming up on July 7th in Las Vegas. I, I'll help Elias out there. We'll give Elias a little shout out there. That hair I'm very jealous of. But, like you said, 35 minutes in, we had this title, Joshua versus Klitschko, and we'll get into it right now. Anthony Joshua defends the IBF Heavyweight Championship of the World against Vladimir Klitsch, former unified heavyweight champion Vladimir Klitsch, go on Saturday afternoon, Saturday night out in England from the sold-out 90,000-seat Wembley Stadium in London, England. And it's also for the vacant
2: WBA heavyweight championship. I think that was a good start. There.
3: That wasn't right.
2: Yep, perfect. Perfect. You couldn't have done it better. Um, yeah, I think this fight, we've said this since the very first podcast we did last Actually, was the last? Yeah, it was March 30th. first podcast was March 30th, or at least recorded on March 30th. This fight, biggest heavyweight division bout in boxing in, of the decade so far. I mean, you have literally Vladimir Klitschko, who has been literally the king of this division for the, for the majority of 10, 11, 12 years. And you got Anthony Joshua. Who, in my opinion, should he win this fight, he might as well be the face of the heavyweight division if he isn't already. And I think the fact that this fight is already going to do record-setting numbers in terms of attendance at Wembley. And the fact that it's going to be one of the very rare exceptions to HBO and Showtime working together to do a telecast. I think this, you, we, you mentioned it earlier in the show. This is going to do you amazing numbers TV-wise.
3: Now, I and mean, you were talking about this before we went on. And this is the, the anticipation of this fight. And this is a fight, you know, this is the biggest fight in the heavyweight division since Lewis Tyson in 2002. It's really is. You have, like you said, and you set it up really good, Carlos, you have a guy in Vladimir Klitschko who's reigned supreme in the heavyweight division the last 13 years. He's been the king. You say the heavyweight division, the first name you would say is Vladimir Klitschko. And then you got this young, hungry lion built like a savant in Anthony Joshua, 18-0, 18 knockouts. You look at him and you're like, that is what a boxer should look like. He really should, and I, you know, and both guys have won the Olympic gold medal. You know, now you got the young guy, twenty-seven years old, going up against a guy who's sixty-four and four with fifty-four wins by a knockout. You have the discrepancy in terms of fights. You have the discrepancy of terms of knockouts, and you have the in just the lure of big fight experience. You can't take away big fight experience. But you just look at, like you said, you look at the hype. 90,000. You sold 90,000 tickets. You didn't sell out 15, not 20. 90. That right there shows the magnitude of this fight. You don't sell 90,000 tickets because you suck. You sell 90,000 tickets because you have the future of boxing against a guy, against the old guard, who's still trying to reign supreme, a guy who's trying to hold on. Does Klitschko have anything left? Does it, you know, he hasn't fought in 17 months. And then you have Anthony Joshua, who's fighting every four, month, four or five months, coming out off a great win over Eric Molina in, back in December. Two, you got the Young Lion against the Old Lion for two titles. And then you brought up Showtime and HBO. They, this is the first time they've ever done a joint venture for on, on live premium, non-pay-per-view television. That's how big this fight is. You know, the first part, the live portion will be on Showtime, like you said, at 4.15, then on primetime on HBO starting at 11 Eastern. So... Everything is trending, and I've been talking to some, and I told you this earlier, I've been talking to some boxing people, some journalists, and just some of the boxing media, and some people that work, same thing, same pe- some people that work in the sport, and they haven't seen beyond Mayweather Pacquiao. There hasn't been this much buzz for a fight since Lewis and Tyson. Lewis and Tyson and then Mayweather and in pa- uh, Delahoya. That's some rare fight there. there. You're talking only three fights in the last 15 years that are matching this magnitude, and all three of those fights did gangbuster numbers. I expect that coming up on Saturday after, well, Saturday afternoon here in the States and uh,
2: Saturday night out in London. And you mentioned just yes, how big this fight is, and I'm going to right now pull up the fact that both Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko, first of all, I got to give a lot of credit. You and I were talking about how, some of these boxers are not being media savvy. This whole promotion of this fight has been so well done. They've been holding a ton of press tours uh, in the United States, especially in New York. They've done a lot of media, a lot of promotion, and I think it does wonders, especially for a fact that you have a guy in Anthony Joshua, and I'm looking right now just to confirm, he's never fought outside of England. And you got no. a guy in Klitschko who every – couple of years we'll have one fight uh in the united states that's how big this fight is. that's how the not the magnitude of this fight and we mentioned this in the in the first couple of weeks of the of the podcast so the birth the heavyweight division draws we can we can talk about keith thurman but he could have been the biggest name in boxing canel alvarez and Golovkin, they're one and two in terms of name recognition in the sport but the heavyweights will always reign supreme because that's what people uh, grew up watching. That's what people gravitate towards the most. You look at some of the best fighters of all time, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, Rocky Marciano, all the way, all through uh, Joe Frazier, all of them heavyweights. And I think Joshua could put himself in position to have a big impact in this decade should, if he beats Klitschko.
3: And I got it. You know, and you hit that right in the head, and I got some stuff coming out. And it was the one thing that, you know, and I've seen this in other other people writing this. And it, And I thought about this when we first started, when we started the podcast last month. This is a chance for Anthony Joshua to really cement himself here and become the king of the heavyweights. Even though he hasn't fought in the United States, the ratings he had in December weren't bad at all. The average rate was a little bit over 400,000 viewers. That's not bad for a guy that's never fought here.
2: And against, and an, is, and against an opponent who was, already, who was actually a replacement opponent and doesn't hold that much name recognition in the United States either.
3: No, not at all. And, and that's the thing you have to really give credit to him for too, and I'll get the exact number for you right now. I'm...
2: This
0: is the story of The one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently.
4: I'm typing it up now, but it's one of those things to where you had a guy
3: that never fought here still pulling in a number like that. And I give Showtime a lot of credit because they took a chance. Excuse me. They took a chance on a guy that never fought here. They don't give opportunities like that. But they you see the star potential in him. He's got everything you want. And a superstar. He's tall. He's good-looking. And he can knock people the hell out. And that's what you want out of the heavyweight division. And, I'm, and I know people beg me every time I say this, and I get criticized for it. The heavyweight When the heavyweight division is going, that's when boxing's at its peak, boxing's at its highest. Boxing needs an Anthony Joshua win on Saturday night. Does the Klitschko win? Is it cool for the story? Absolutely. You know, a 41-year-old guy who hasn't fought in 17 months. Looked very sluggish against Tyson Fury when he lost his titles in November of 2015. It's a great story. He beat the young gun. But what does beating the young gun do? Doesn't do much for boxing. It, It sold a lot of tickets. The ratings are going to be fantastic. Website traffic for our site. In a lot of other, and, uh, and, uh, other major publications that cover boxing, they're going to give great web traffic results. We're all, gonna, we're all going to benefit here, but you know who's not going to benefit is boxing because you'd still be stuck in that old guard. Yeah, maybe Deontay Wilder is that guy, but Deontay Wilder hasn't proven in the ratings yet that he's a legitimate draw. He got outdrawn by welterweights, but pretty handedly by over 2 million viewers on average when he fought Gerald Washington in February. And I'm not knocking the so I'm just making the point of the heavyweights should be drawing more than the welterweights. You know, I give, that you give Thurman and Garcia a lot of credit. But Deontay Wilder is the heavyweight champion in the world, and he's American. We should be gravitating to that. Instead, we're not. We're, people are gravitating to a fight between two Europeans. And that's a testament to Anthony Joshua's team. That's a testament to Vladimir Klitschko. It's a testament to Showtime. It's a testament to HBO. So, you know, and and at the end of the day, Anthony Joshua has to win this fight. Anthony Joshua should win this fight. I can't see, unless lightning hits the bottle, lightning struck Vladimir Klitschko, I just don't see how Vladimir Klitschko wins this fight and walks out of London, England, the unit, the, the WBA, and the IBF heavyweight champion of the world. I just don't.
2: Yeah. And, and I'm looking right now at the uh, Joshua, at least. One side that I found, uh, I think it was a Bovada. Uh, Joshua's a minus 260 as a favorite. Klitschko has a plus 200 underdog. You know, let's face it. The, the sport is rooting for Joshua to win because he is the next evolution of heavyweight boxing. He's young. He's fast. He's strong, very powerful, he's a good looking guy. And honestly, every time you see him fight, it's always a fun fight. It's always exciting. And I'm really gonna enjoy watching Joshua from here on forward. As you mentioned, his accolades is an Olympic gold medalist. And then you're now facing up against a another Olympic gold medalist. And Joshua, as you mentioned, uh Klitschko hasn't fought in the last 17 months. He's that's gonna be huge. That you know, that's going to be big for a guy as old as he is. I don't know. I, I honestly think that the more I'm thinking about it, the closer we are, I honestly think that ring rust is not going to affect him in a way that people normally would think ring rust, but just the fact that he won't, he won't know the kind of speed that he'll be getting against Anthony Joshua. And you can, read and listen to what Klitschko has been saying, like, oh, I'm older, but I'm so much better than I was in my prime. That's kind of BS. Because I, because I don't think he's faced a fighter quite like Joshua in a long time. If you
3: look at it, you hit this right on the head. Of saying he hasn't, he hasn't fought in 17 months. He's 41 years old. 41. I'm not knocking 41-year-olds. I'm five years away from that. I'm 36 and I feel slow. I'm wanna... fine. I'm 22. I'm fine. I'm 23. God, I remember. Da- 22, I was, I was dating, Is drinking a lot of beer, a lot of beer, and I was actually pretty quick. I used to be a really good golfer at 22, but now I'm 14 years later and a little bit slower and a little more weight, and, you know, it's just a father time. No one ever beats father time. Did father time hit Vladimir Klitschko in November of 20 2015? Or did Klitschko just have an off night and he underestimated Tyson Fury? Was it just that? Or is it or did Father Time really hit Vladimir Klitschko? We're gonna find out in two days. We're gonna find out in less than 48 hours if that prediction is right. Because you, you got a guy. Who's 14 years younger that you're facing a guy who's 27 years old? Fourteen years, I don't care what anyone says, makes a whole hell of a lot of difference. And he's getting he's getting this fight because he's Vladimir Klitschko. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. He should have gotten a rematch. He's getting his opportunity. I just think I think Klitschko needs to keep the fight on the outside. I think he needs to work on the if you pop the jab, and you know this, if you set up the jab, the jab sets up everything else. If Vladimir Klitschko can do that, he's got to establish the jab really early in the fight. Right from the outset, I would start popping jabs. So if you establish that jab early, you're going to make Joshua think more. And Joshua hasn't been in, ever been in a fight like this. Yeah, you have sold out you've sold out 17, 18,000 seed arenas. This is 90,000 people. Millions of people around the world are going to be watching. and You're facing the best heavyweight in the last 10 years. There's a lot on the line here on both sides. If Klitschko establishes that jab early, I think he can win this fight pretty handedly. If he doesn't, it's going to be a long night for Vladimir Klitschko, and he's going to end up in a London hospital because Vladimir, because Anthony Joshua will send his head back to the Ukraine. If, they, if he doesn't stick to that game plan, and, or does the experience or, or does the moment prove to be too much for Anthony Joshua? So Remember, he's this guy's only had 18 fights professionally. Yes, he's been in that big stage. He's won an Olympic gold medal. Yes, it was five years ago, but to me, I think that Olympic experience, Carlos, I still think that means a lot. He should be able to handle the situation. He should. This is the most media he's ever done. Now, like you said, ninety thousand people, millions of people watching around the world. Klitschko's been around this block already. He he knows what to do and how to handle everything. This is a new experience for Anthony Joshua, and we're going to see if he's going to be ready. But those, I think, those are some of the scenarios I think we really have to watch out for coming up in this fight.
2: I really do. And one thing that. Uh and someone in our live chat, C. Phoenix, And again, and anybody that's watching the podcast, feel free to leave a question or drop a comment in the live chat. We really appreciate it. And C. Phoenix was saying, one can argue that the heavyweight division has been so relevant it's because Klitschko has been at the top for so long. And you know what, to an extent, I agree. I agree that Klitschko's dominance has indirectly hurt the heavyweight division. Here's why. I'm a firm believer that dynasties and lengthy reigns at the top of the mountain do not hurt a particular sport. What does hurt is that that it is not exciting, that it is not competitive, and that you're really not a and that you're not exactly a huge box office draw. Rousey was the was extremely dominant and made almost everyone look like amateurs until she met Holly Holm. But she was still exciting. She was box office. And she made headlines everywhere she went. Klitschko to an extent, not really. It was fighting mostly in, in Europe, on HBO, same-day tape delays. And really, not a lot of people were blown away in terms of exciting moments when, when watching Vladimir Klitschko. When you, when, you say, when, when you mention Vladimir Klitschko, the first thing that will pop into your head is he was a heavyweight champion for a somewhat watered-down division. Now it's going to be different because in the last year, from the last couple of years till now, the division has been completely rejuvenated. We've had we have so many great fighters, young fighters. Uh, you mean guys like Huey Fury? No, Tyson Fury, Huey Fury, Fury,
3: Fury, stop it. Huey Fury. <laughs> looking into that, well, that guy is such a joke. He wasted poor Joseph Parker's time. He wanted nothing to do with Anthony Parker. Joseph, I
2: he wanted nothing I'm to do meant with to Parker. Say Tyson. Guess he beat Klitschko. I meant to say Tyson. Here we, okay, what I have mistaken. no idea what's been a whole mess. My mistake. I no, listen. Tyson Fury, who knows if that guy's
3: going to get in the ring? He seems like he enjoys eating Twinkies and drinking beers, <laughs> which I have no problem with drinking beer. I am a beer connoisseur, but I am a journalist. I am not a boxer. I am allowed, in essence, to allow to eat donuts, eat eat obnoxious breakfast food and drink a lot of beer. After we're done, I'm drinking. I got to write and drink a lot of beer. I got things to do. But I'm allowed to do that. This guy's supposed to be an athlete. I yeah. can't. Okay. I'm, I'm, the Fury's really pissed me off. I'm sorry. The <laughs> I mean, Fury got, really yeah. pissed me I, off with that whole situation with Joseph Parker. I feel bad for him. Yeah.
2: And other guys like uh, King Khan Ortiz, which is a shame he didn't fight on Saturday because of the injury. Uh, Joseph Parker, who I really like, and Anthony Joshua. This whole division compared you got to Wilder. Yeah, Wilder.
3: Wilder. Yeah, Andy Ruiz. Who I think I think Ruiz
2: is going to be a superstar. Like yeah, said, compared to look at the division two years ago, the division two years ago was not this good. Now all of a sudden, all these guys just blossomed out of nowhere and. The division's exciting. I love watching heavyweight boxing and honestly for the longest time you couldn't even get me excited to watch any heavyweight bout, even a Klitschko bout, which I've always been bored to be honest with you. Sometimes I've fallen asleep at Klitschko fights. And and I'm sorry, and I admire Klitschko for how good he's been, but honestly, he's never really excited me. But now the division does. Now it's a great division in boxing. You know what? Klitschko was more about the spectacle
3: of getting to the ring. Don't get me wrong. He's a great fighter. I'm not gonna sit and take anything away from Vladimir Klitschko. But what what I said earlier, which is why people think he's not as exciting, he's still finishing people, but he's very technical. And it's, if he gets technical in this fight, like I said, if he starts with the jab, if he starts there, I think he get, he can win a boring decision. I think he can't. I don't think the fight's gonna be boring. Even if he starts popping with a jab, I think Klitschko knows at this point he's got to stop this guy. He knows that in in the heart of hearts, he knows he's got a big point. His legacy is on the line in this fight. People are doubting him. Will he show the heart of a champion? Will he show how much he's got left, or does he wilt to the young lion, the guy who's hungry, the guy who's looking to make his mark and become the king of boxing? Because that's what's on the line here with both of these guys. They both have a major, major point to prove. It's just a question of who's going to implement their gameplay more. If Joshua gets it, Joshua can't win a technical boxing match. I don't care what anyone says. I've seen enough of his fights. He has to get on the inside, and he's got to use his power. His power will carry him to victory in this fight. He can't technical. Being a pure boxer will not win him this fight. It just won't. Vladimir Klitschko is the better pure boxer. It's just a question of it's going to come down to power. I really do. The power of Klitschko against the power of Joshua. Or does Klitschko decide to be smart and stay on the outside, pop the jab, and go to work, and then go, go outside in after that? So a lot of storylines coming up in a few days here. I just can't wait for this fight to happen.
2: Yeah, I think this fight's going to be good. And I guess I mentioned, like I mentioned, the promotion for this fight is going to be good. I got to give um, promoter Eddie Hearn a ton of credit, who I have met. First of all, I have met. Holy smokes. He is a tall, he is a big guy. This is like six foot three, six foot four, something like that. I remember I was interviewing him in, um, in the press conference and the final press conference before Bato Jack versus James DeGale. And I was just surprised. first of all, and, and I'll get to... Uh, more about the fight in a second, but he was a huge guy. He was like well above six foot. He towered over me. I was he's an intim- not an intimidating figure, but he's an imposing figure. He's a guy that commands a room, and he's done an excellent job with Anthony Joshua's promotion. And he's a guy that not only thinks about his the fighter's next fight, he already has a plan A, B, C for the future. And honestly. Joshua wins this fight. I am excited to see what they have in store for, for anything, Joshua S. We can safely sit assume the new face of the heavyweight division.
3: Oh, there's Eddie Hearn's the best promoter in boxing. There's no there's no if, fans, or bets about it. Eddie Hearn is so such a nice guy. He's easy, and he gets it. This is you know, I wish I would see Delahoya like Eddie Hearn. I wish we would see Al Heeman. You know, Floyd Mayweather's trying to get in. Lou DeBella. I wish more guys would be like Eddie Hearn. You know, Tom Loeffler and the guys at K2, they get it too. They absolutely get it. If there was more guys like Eddie Hearn and the Tom Loefflers and the guys at K2, man, American boxing would be in a much better position than what it is. But that's what we were talking about. Anthony Joshua wins this fight. He is the king of the heavyweights. He is the best heavyweight in the world. And you and you look at it with one fight. Anthony Joshua can become the face of boxing, but he has to. St- he can- a boring decision doesn't do it here, Carlos. A decision, an entertaining decision, okay, it will that will do it. But the fight has to be entertaining, and Anthony Joshua has to win, because if Klitschko wins that heavyweight, unless Deontay Wilder goes in there and beats him, I think the guy who could beat Wilder it would. I mean, to beat Klitschko, I think is Joseph Parker. I think Joseph Parker's that guy. No offense to Deontay Wilder, who's amazing. Great guy to talk to. He's got the the heaviest hands in boxing. By dangers and pure technical skill, I think Joseph Parker would blow him out. And I think the same thing with Vladimir Klitschko. So the guy to do it, if it isn't Parker, I mean, if it isn't Joshua, it would be Joseph Parker. But Anthony Joshua has a great, great
2: opportunity in two days. All right. Now the important question: Who do you have winning, and in what manner? Time for predictions. I,
3: I thought the most important question was going to be, "What kind of beer are we drinking tonight?" <laughs> and then I thought the next important question would be, "What do you think of the of your team's
2: draft picks so far?" Ah, that's right. I I, I but, would need to actually check really quick. Uh, I know hey, I'm a the Jets Bears, fan.
3: The Bears got my guy,
2: Mitchell Trubisky, baby. Welcome oh. to the Bears, baby. Woo! You are so excited. Listen, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining with what the Jets got. The Jets. Uh, I forgot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look really quick. The uh,
3: Jamal. Adam, you got the best yeah, Jamal, player in the draft,
2: man. Yeah, we got we got pretty best good. At, at first, I was like, all right, best please, player. please, the Jets better pick somebody, some some good offensive guy. Um, best player in the draft. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I'm I'm not complaining. More often than not, Jets get it right when they get um solid defensive players in the uh, in the first round i you know i can't you really complain that, too
3: much you said the jets got it right that doesn't happen often
2: that's true that is true i was watching earlier today the uh a video of like jets draft pick blunder which is kind of like the unofficial tradition for jets fans to watch uh which is like a li- i think it was like a montage of like failed draft picks in the 80s and my favorite one is when the Jets passed on Warren Sapp, and everyone was chanting, "We want Sapp, we want Sapp," and then just the Jets fans deflating, deflation. Um, I think it was the tight end. I don't remember who it was. It was. I mean, that was my favorite moment. Second favorite moment is when I forgot who they wanted to pick, but when Pete Rozelle, the former NFL commissioner, was saying. Uh the Jets pick fullback. They mentioned the position first and then everybody was chanting, oh no. And it was a- <laughs> the mystery of Jets fans everywhere. But you're right. You
3: asked, you asked who I thought w- who's gonna win. That is the impo- that is the million dollar question of why we're doing this podcast. It's hard to deny Anthony Joshua here. You know, I just think I think he's gonna figure it out. I think he's gonna figure it out early. I'm gonna. I think Klitschko's gonna have his moments. You know, I'm gonna go Anthony Joshua seventh round TKO. Anthony Joshua retains the IBF heavyweight championship of the world and gets a hold of the WBA heavyweight championship of the world. Anthony Joshua seventh round TKO.
2: Wow, seventh round, seventh round. Oh. See, I, I was gonna I was gonna go Joshua Stoppage in the tenth round. Okay,
3: but, okay. Right,
2: Stoppage in the tenth round, because I think Klitschko is definitely gonna hold his own. If and also just really quick, this interesting stat. If should Klitschko lose, it would be the first time of uh, via I would say, it would be the first time. Klitschko lost via decision. Uh, a little quiz. I want you to guess the year and who he lost via decision uh, via stoppage.
3: Lehman Brewster. From... Lehman Bru- Layman Brewster. Yep. That's why I'm awesome. Man. Yeah. God. I'm not even looking at anything. I just – I'm doing a piece on Vladimir Klitschko in his, in his best fights, and I actually thought that was a great fight. And that was one of the ones I was thinking about putting in there, doing like a best of Vladimir Klitschko. And that was something I was actually thinking about putting in there. Just because it's always, always look at how you handle a loss. How you bounce back. And the reason I think that was a key fight, he really turned it around after that point. He figured it out. You know, and don't get me wrong, Emmanuel Stewart was a very big, he was very instrumental in that. And he gave Vladimir that confidence, but he was always the more talented one in my mind. No, no offense to Vitaly. I think Vitaly was an amazing boxer, but Vladimir was always in my mind the more talented one. He was the one that I thought that could succeed in, on a higher platform than Vitaly. Vitaly seemed like he was more content fighting in Europe, and you know he didn't want to. You know he was the more technical and pure boxer in my mind. Where Vladimir, it took some time. He went from the power puncher wanting to knock everyone's block off to the guy that started to become that pure boxer. And that's what we're seeing right now. And we talked about it when Golovkin fought Jacobs. That's what we're starting to see more from Gennady Golovkin. And that fight was the turnaround period for him. And he turned it around and went on his run and you know he doesn't lose two times in a row. But you're 41 years old, Carlos, and and we said it earlier. Father Time doesn't wait for nobody. Father Time decides on his own. He decides when you're ready. To, when he's ready to say you're done. We're gonna find out what Vladimir Klitschko has left in the tank. He could shock the world, but I highly
2: doubt it. We'll see about that. And uh, right before we go, uh, Actually, I have a, I have a question for you.
3: Okay. I have a question. I'm gonna turn it around here. I've been dying to ask you this question since they announced the commentating teams and how they're going to do it. Who's going to be the better broadcasting team on Saturday? Will it be the Showtime team or the HBO team? They both have their faults, and they both have their weaknesses. I mean, their weaknesses and they have their strengths.
2: (sighs) I'm going to be watching both. I'm going to be watching both telecasts. I'm all, okay, it's... Uh, I'm I'm so partial to Mauro Ronaldo and the Showtime team. Like they've really impressed me in the past couple of years, but I I grew up watching the HBO team. I grew up watching Jim Blantley. I grew up watching Max Kellerman. Um that's gonna be tough. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Showtime team. Wow. I'm going HBO.
1: Listen, this it's is
2: a very close like 1A1B. I'm probably I I think the Showtime's going to be just slightly better but I'm probably going to enjoy the HBO broadcast team a little bit more cuz as a collective unit I I they're more enjoyable and I grew up and I listened to them way more than the Showtime.
3: Now, I like Moral. I'm friends with Moral. And and I talked to Moral earlier this this attack wishing him good luck and everything. He got back to me saying thank you and and for and this isn't a wrestling podcast, but you know, I just want to you know, was doing morals in a great place. Uh, you know, I I will say that I thought Morrow did a great job on last Saturday. It was good to see him back in the ring, calling a boxing fight. And he was good. I listened, to, I listened to part of the Rise and Show, and I, I mean, from what I listened to, him and Frank Shamrock did really well. Um, I'm an HBO guy, and and this is no offense to Moro, I like it. I like I love, love Al I think Al Bernstein's amazing. But to me, it's like Ronaldo's better than Lampley. Kellerman is better than Bernstein. So, okay, now you got, now you got, now it's even. But then you got Malinaji and Roy Jones. There is no bigger homer than Pauly Malinaji. I'm sorry. I listen to Paulie Malinaji. And don't get me wrong, I gave him credit. He was willing to get in the ring, and he made the ultimate sacrifice. But you cannot find a more biased calm analyst than Paulie Malignaggi. I'm sorry. I I just, I'm going to be very intrigued if he calls this fight fair, because I don't think he will. When I listen to Roy Jones, Roy Jones doesn't give a hoot. Roy Jones is going to give his opinion. I give the edge to HBO. Maybe Paulie surprises me and actually calls a fight down the middle for once. I highly doubt it, but we will see. I have been proven wrong before, and I like Paulie. I think Paulie. I think Paulie's a good analyst. I think Paulie's a homer. Paulie has his guys and will defend his guys to the end. You I. I had to ask you that because that's been. Not, I've been wanting to ask you that all week.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen. I love, as I mentioned, I love the HBO group. Always have been, and I agree. I like that, and I like that the way you broke it down. I think Morrow's better than Lampley. No this is to Lampley, but I just think Morrow's better. And I like
3: it. I think Jim Lampley's a great guy. I've interviewed him, hi, five, six times. Jim Lampley's great. I think Al Purdy's great. I think Morrow's great. I think Roy. I think they're all great. I didn't even talk to Max, but the way you listen to your Max break down a fight, I love listening. And then so disrespect to L. I've talked to L numerous times. I think L's really great. But you know. And there's a competition here. And that's the other underlying thing here that no one's really talking about here. There's a lot of pride here for both networks. They're not gonna come out and say, and I've talked to some people, I've talked to people in both organ in both companies. There's a little, there's always been that that big brother mentality between HBO and Showtime. But you've seen Showtime start, we talked about this earlier, Showtime's starting to creep up on HBO. They don't like each other. They respect each other. But they want to kick each other's ass on Saturday. You know HBO hopes Showtime does really bad in the ratings. You know Showtime hopes that HBO does really bad. Who do you think? Gets the better rating on Saturday. Who do you
2: think? That's that's actually tough because the easy answer would immediately be Showtime. That's an easy answer, but it's not really going to be as simple as no. that. It's not going to be HBO. Just simply attracts a bigger, uh, bigger amount of viewership. But that's it. But it'll be interesting. You know what? I'm going to say HBO. Because I am, because I do believe that a lot of some people are actually going to be looking at the two broadcast at the two broadcastings. They're going to look at Showtime's broadcasting, see how they break down the fight, and they may look at the HBO broadcast. And maybe the the broadcasters there will change some viewers' opinion of the fight if it goes to a decision and it's a close decision. I think people you are going what? to be looking at both telecasts just to sort of get two different points of view. Now I'm going to watch both as well, and. And I'm gonna,
3: I'll probably do something about the I'll – I'll figure out how to write something about it. But, you know, each network paid $3 million to air this fight, hoping there's going to be a rematch. So I think, that I, in a way, both networks, I, I think in dollars and cents and thinking about historical aspects and stuff like that, I would think they'd want Vladimir Klitschko to win. Because then you get the rematch. HBO, yeah, gets it live. But, Showtime gets the replay, and that's okay. I think HBO does the better rating. I'm not a fan of fights at 4.15 Eastern and 3.15 in the afternoon. My wife's pretty mad. To be quite honest. I'm missing a family function, because I gotta cover the fight. But, I just don't like the time. And I get it. It's the UK. You know, there's a lot of – everyone's making a lot of money here. HBO is making a lot of money. Showtime's making a lot of money. Sky Sports, which is airing it on pay-per-view in the, in, the in, in Europe, is making a lot of money. Everyone's making a lot of money here, and I get it. But I think HBO wins this rating. I really, really do. Now, would I be shocked if Showtime won? No, I wouldn't because it's airing live and it's generating a lot of buzz. Live and then people are gonna know the result. And that's the whole thing about you know with this new age of people are going are they already gonna know the result of the fight. Maybe they do tune in. I think a lot of it do, they will turn in for the commentating team. But I think it's it's just another layer, Carlos, to what all this what all this means in a historical aspect, even in terms of where where it's gonna be broadcast. It's a great it's this is a great time to be a boxing fan. This is a great time to be a boxer. It's a great time for us because, and I sincerely mean this, we're doing something that in my mind, and I know for a fact, is revolutionary because no other, beyond Chris Mannix's boxing podcast, and that's just pure audio, we're doing video. You know, we're doing something. ESPN doesn't do a video boxing podcast. Yahoo Sports doesn't do a boxing video podcast. Sports Illustrated doesn't. Fight Hype does one, but Fight Hype, stop doing it. We're doing something really great here. We're making some history. We're making some trade away here. And I like, I'm all about history. I really am. And everyone tune in. Watch this. Keep subscribing. Subscribers are going up big time for Fightful, guys. Keep showing the love. Keep going to FightFull.com. we got great podcasts. I'm impartial. I think our podcast is best because I think it is. And it's so disrespecting to no one else, but I want to be number one. You want to be number one. If you don't want to be number one, you shouldn't be doing this. And that's just my honest opinion. We have a lot of great podcasts. Like you said, Sean Pearson, Frank Trigg, the man with the best hair in MMA, Elias Theodore. The best indie wrestler in the world today, in the future of professional wrestling, Matt Riddle, the man. Sean Rassab. Jimmy Van, we got an amazing podcast. This, in my mind, is the trendsetter. This is going to be numero uno in no time. No disrespect to no one else, we're making history. Thank you for listening. I'm done. I'm I'm that passionate. I'm I don't know what I feel because I feel that strong about this podcast. I really don't. I think we're doing a lot of great things in... Boxing's in a great place right now and this is a great time to
2: be on more guys. It really is. Absolutely. And and one good thing about that some of the that we do great, that some of all these other podcasts not only can't um not only are not doing as well, or at least can't do, is that we're doing a video podcast live. And we got chat. We got a we got a question in the chat. Um really quick before we get we don't have a lot of time. We barely have any time left. Uh, do you guys feel that all these MMA fighters trying to get into pro boxing is good or bad for the sport? This one's from C. Phoenix. Um, I don't know. I'm going to let you go first because I've been going back and forth when it comes to. Do this I whole think?
3: Issue. You know what? Before I, in all honesty, I would say no. But I have no problem with guys wanting to do other things. I really don't. Because you look at MMA, it's, they're independent contractors. You know, and boxers have contracts with their promoter, or some just go on a fight by fight basis. You know, and I feel if MMA fighters want to get into boxing, so be it. And it's something they're passionate about, and it's something they wanna, want to do. Why not? Should Conor McGregor be stepping in with Floyd Mayweather? Absolutely not. Will it sell a lot of mo- make a lot of money? Absolutely. Does it help out this website? You're damn freaking right it does. You look in dollars and cents, yeah, it makes sense. From just a sports standpoint, absolutely not. Jimmy Manuwa and David Hay, that makes no sense either. That makes more sense, though, if you, really, if you think about it. Because Jimmy Manuel was in boxing. So that makes sense. Conor McGregor's never even had a boxing fight. Jimmy, Jimmy Manuel has. So I can, I can make a case for Jimmy Manuel and David Hay. Not a good case but it's a better case than Mayweather and McGregor. And I think if a, any boxing fight happens, I think they're both – I think M- Mayweather and McGregor is unfortunately going to happen. But out of those two, if I'm going to pick one I want to see, I think it's going to be more exciting, I think it would be Manuwa and David Hay. I'm all for guys doing it, but I think if MMA guys are going to do it, they need to start in the lower ranks and work their way up. You got You have to have – at least you should have some experience in boxing, not just – being a stand-up MMA fighter because it's two totally different sports. You have to learn different footwork. It's different training methods. It's different hand-eye coordination. It's two totally different sports. It's like comparing. It's like an apple to a tomato. It's how far off they are, I, you know, in the wrong, in the grand scheme of things. So I'm for it, but in, in that aspect of taking high caliber fights like that out of the
2: shoot, absolutely not. Okay, I can definitely get behind that. Um, Thanks again, everybody, so much. We will have, Fightful will have a live discussion, live coverage of Klitschko versus Joshua. I will be uh, handling that. And then after that, we'll be doing a live podcast after this tremendous fight. And it's going to be wild.
3: Now, remember, the fight airs at 415 Eastern, 315 Central, 215 Mountain Time, in 1:15, yeah, 1:15 Pacific time, and out in England, we're gonna—I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna imagine—we're gonna get a lot of English folk and a lot of folks from Europe. So you guys are gonna be up late on Saturday night. You guys are gonna be half in the bag by the time you watch this podcast. I shouldn't have said that, but that's what makes this podcast great because we talk off the cuff. But it's gonna be a great night, Carlos. I'm, are you ready for Saturday? That's what I want to know. It is ten nineteen 19 central time, and I'm ready now.
2: <laughs> I'm am, ready now. I've been up since 6 a.m. in the morning easier time doing homework and projects, and I'm still hyped for this fight. I'm still beyond hyped. It's a once
3: in a – it's the biggest heavyweight fight in 15 years and just talking to different people and even just thinking, you know, just thinking in my mind about it. In terms of just hype and interest – from what I've seen and what some of the some of the math I've seen, this is on this is in terms of I'm not saying it's at these, but it's like Lewis in terms of it's Lewis. Type. You got obviously Mayweather-Pacquiao, Lewis-Tyson, Mayweather-Pacquiao. This is in the top five. This is like a top four fight in the last thirteen years and last fifteen years in terms of interest. You know, a worldwide interest. I'm not saying not even just here, but around the world. Worldwide interest. So it's going to be great. It, you know, all the eyes are going to be on this fight. It's All eyes are going to be on Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitsch going. It's going to be awesome. Looking forward to it.
2: Once again, we'll be, again, final reminder, 4.15 Eastern at Showtime. I uh, believe 10 or 11 p.m. on HBO.
3: 11 oh, p.m.
2: 11 p.m. And then after the fight, uh, after the broadcast finishes on Showtime, that's when we're going to have the Fightful Boxing Podcast, our first ever post-major fight boxing podcast. So,
3: Are you ready? Are you ready, Carlos Toro? Are you ready?
2: I am absolutely ready.
3: Where can the peeps find you on Twitter?
2: They can find me at Carlos Toro 360
3: and you can find me at SMUlhausen MMA S M U E H L H A U S E N M M A
2: you're right here and once again for the fightful podcast uh, Carlos Toro Stephen Mulhausen signing out